Step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And on our show today, we will be talking with Chris Madden about his Chicago-based digital marketing agency, MatchNode. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about MatchNode. Yeah, absolutely. MatchNode is a digital marketing agency here in Chicago. Uh, We divide our work into three buckets, digital strategy, traffic generation, and conversion optimization. Um, And how did you come about those three buckets? Good question. We uh, First strategy was uh, almost a personal necessity for the co-founders in that when we get together as friends before we work together on MatchNode, we just couldn't help ourselves about talking about business. We love talking about business. We love talking about uh, new things that are coming down the line that companies might be doing, uh, new technological advances, new products that are coming out. So we couldn't not do strategy. It was just something that we loved doing, and we knew that uh, we had something to offer other, the world and businesses as far as that goes. So it also stemmed from the fact that we felt like we had to be – driving towards our clients' business objectives at all times and in our campaigns. We spend so much time in the details of our campaigns that we knew that we always wanted to understand our clients' objectives to be able to zoom out and consider, okay, we may be way down in the depths of details of some Facebook ad audience that we're testing, but let's think for a second why we're doing this and what exactly we're trying to achieve. So strategy was just a given that we had to do that in our minds in order to add value, maximum value to our clients' businesses. From there, as a digital marketing agency, our clients want to grow. And so more traffic to our clients' website, web app, um, uh, mobile app, whatever the case might be, more traffic was certainly a given. And then We also know that there are a lot of agencies that could get very specialized that maybe just do uh, search or just do Facebook ads, but we weren't that sort. We knew that, you know, if we were running Facebook ads, for example, and we thought the campaigns weren't converting as well as they could be because they – um, because something was going on on the client's site. We weren't the types to just throw our hands up and say, sorry, you need to fix your site. Uh, we want to be able to optimize for the conversion so that the client can really measure ROI and we can tell them what the ROI on our efforts and on their investments and in our processes and in the traffic are. So we came to conversion rate optimization because we didn't want to run traffic without being able to turn the dials on the, uh, on the page, on the post-click page. So that's how we came to strategy, traffic, and conversion. I heard you mention partners. Uh, what were the roles of the partners when you guys started? So two partners, Brian, there's three co-founders. Uh, Brian and I, uh, when we first started, we were just, we were the business, frankly. We were doing the work all day long. We had some contractors that we were extend that we would extend our our capacity with. But we were doing all the work and we were running the show when it was the two of us starting together right when you start out. Uh, things have changed over time as we've grown and added 
uh, teammates. So our two, we, we're still the two primary owner operators of the business. Um, and we've, our, our roles have been more defined and diverged a bit as we've grown. Third co-founder, Dan, uh, Dan is, uh, uh, how we met and Dan taught us both a lot about, um, the work that we do, we came together through Dan in some ways. So, uh, Dan re- is and remains a minority shareholder, a board member, a very important sounding board th- uh, for us. So Dan joined later or he was kind of part of the genesis? Three of, the three of us joined together, but it was always clear that Brian and I were going to run the business. And Dan was, Dan had a day job that he's really passionate about and was really important to him. And Brian and I knew that we were going to be the ones operating. So we were very happy to have Dan on board as a third co-founder. But again, he's always had a role of kind of like a sounding board and, and uh, almost like a board member. When you and Brian started, did you have specific roles or did you kind of evolve into them? When you start as a two-person agency, uh, whether it's an agency or, or a different kind of startup, everybody wears all the hats. Just like whatever we had to do, we were doing together. Of course, there were times we'd be like, hey, I'm going to run this Facebook campaign for this, for this client while you go out to a meeting to you know talk to a prospect. So we weren't always doing the same thing, but we were very much a two-man team. So you have similar skill sets then? Uh, we had similar skill sets in that we could both uh, run campaigns and execute digital marketing campaigns and talk together about the best way to service a client. As time has passed, uh, we've defined our roles a bit more and maybe a differing skill sets are t- or differing interests or diff- differing areas that we want to develop are part of the reason why we've uh, set the roles in the ways that we have. Chris, tell me about your background. Uh, how did you get into digital marketing? I got into digital marketing because I was always very intrigued and excited by the overlap between sales and technology. Um, and sales being not just face-to-face sales like maybe we do when we're talking to a prospect in our agency, but literally the decisions that anybody takes in any buying decision that they make. So it was a very natural extension for me to move from a sales position that I had in a previous life uh, to a startup, a tech startup that in which case I was doing sales and marketing as well as, you know, all of us were dealing with tech. So came into digital marketing uh, via sales and via a love of technology and selling things. Absolutely. What's the coolest thing you've done in your career? Man, I I love learning something new every single day, period. So it's a hard question for me to ask because I have to pick a certain experience or an era. But if I had to, uh, I lived in Costa Rica for three years and worked down there, and that would probably be the thing that jumps out in my mind is the coolest thing I've done in my career. If you love learning something new every day, it's almost like what you're going to do tomorrow is the coolest thing you've ever done. I love that. That's exactly right. Or or or, or what I've decided yesterday that I'm going to do today. And how? Well, tell me more about that then. How do you decide what you're going to do today? Yeah, good question. Probably like a lot of uh, startups and a lot of agency owners, we have all sorts of tools that we use to decide uh, to help manage our time, decide what we're going to do when. Uh, on a meta level, on a quarterly basis, everybody on the team gets together um, individually and in groups and talks about what things we want to develop in ourselves over a 12 or 18 month period. And then we are able to kind of back into what areas of focus each person should have, because of course those uh, things that we want to develop in ourselves have to overlap with a business objective. So uh, on a big picture level, we're always doing that and always looking to improve ourselves individually and as a team. Then that helps me determine, you know, on a quarterly basis, what are the micro things that I should be doing on a, on a weekly or daily basis. And so my current role is 
a CEO style role where uh, I'm responsible for bringing business in. I'm responsible for the PNL. Uh, I'm responsible for the vision of the company. I'm responsible for making sure that the team is happy and moving in the right direction. And so I have those three or four things in my head at all time, kind of on a monthly basis. And then on a weekly basis, on Sundays, I'm able to lay out, you know, look at my look at what's already in my calendar, look at where my white space is and keep that white space. I love that white space in my calendar. And then uh, we use Asana as a task manager. And we've also built a proprietary operating system that helps us communicate with clients. So it's pretty task-based as maybe for a lot of people. And we use a bunch of different Google Calendar to Asana and to our, our, um, our agency's operating system. Your um, proprietary communication system, uh, what, what prompted you to build that and, and how does it work for you? We got a bunch of questions. We got a bunch of questions from clients over time or prospects asking, is there a place where I can go and see all the work? And certainly whether it's Asana or Trello or Basecamp or you name it, Slack, there's, there's dozens of them as far as these communication uh, tools, HipChat, and we could go on and on. We decided that none of those were perfectly serving our purposes for what we needed in order to best operate with clients. So we built a tool that uh, is client specific. There's a feed and we can, uh, you know, it's of course completely secure and we're able to document all of our work there. And we make posts and comments or clients comment on posts and say, hey, this is an interesting follow-up from our call. Let's make sure we focus on this or that. And then all those posts tie into a calendar system and it also ties into Google Calendar. So all of our recurring calls and recurring tasks that we have in Google Calendar automatically push into our OS feed. We call it the OS, like an operating system. And so um, the first thing was clients wanting a centralized place to be able to quote unquote see all the work. So that was the main thrust. Uh, we've seen use cases where it's become very valuable now that we've been using it for, it's only been launched for about four or five months. But as time goes on, sometimes as you might be familiar, uh, there's multiple stakeholders on a client side, but there's one real consistent point of contact. And those second and third stakeholders that are kind of behind the scenes and not as active, they want to be able to go see what's going on on their own terms. And they don't want to have to dig through forwarded emails or always trying to be digging through Google Docs that maybe got shared with them. We still do those things. We still send a lot of emails with clients. We still create Google Docs on a regular basis. But now we have a place where um, any person on the client side can go and look at what's been going on. So at, another example is a lot of times the, the people on the client side might change for one reason or another, whether somebody changes jobs or moves on, a new person comes in, and they have to kind of start from the beginning. We may have been working with that client for 12 months, uh, and, and this new person might come in and say, hey, what's up? And it's like, okay, let's start at the beginning. Now we have a place where on their own time, they can go and read what's been happening and ask questions. That's great. We need to take a break, but I'd love to dive in into that a little bit more um, right after our break. Don't go away. Georgecast with Tim Barsness. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. 
Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash circle. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we are here with Chris of digital marketing agency MatchNode. Chris, you were talking about your proprietary operating system. Um, I'm curious how that impacted uh, your business uh, when you decided to build that. Well, it it was a very, uh, one real way it impacted our business was it was a very clear decision that we were going to reinvest cash into the business because we had to pay software developers to build it. And so that was a very clear decision of uh, this money is not going to be taken as profit this year. This money is going to be reinvested in the business. So so that's a very practical way in which it impacts the business. Uh, as far as the the goal of it and how it's working, it's um, it, from a from from the point of view of our agency, it's a retention tool. You know, we certainly for clients, we wouldn't talk about it in those terms. It's a tool for them to to have the best experience they can with us. So they want to potentially stay with us longer is kind of how we justified uh, that 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 investment. And so it's been working well. You know, it, it, it works really well for clients and clients like seeing it. And I think it gives them some level of uh, comfort to know that there's a place that they can go and see everything at whenever they feel uh, they have time to look into it. Um, and and it also... That also, is my second question, which is, um, how do you think it's impacted your clients' businesses? Um, I think it's saved. I can think of a couple instances, and again, we're only four or five months into it, but I can think of a couple instances already where the main point of contact at the client has changed. And I think that having the operating system has saved this new employee and maybe whoever is a legacy person at the business that's helping this new employee get up to speed, it saved them time. And then hopefully it makes them see our work as more efficient and more effective. Sure. Does the operating system define the process you use or is it kind of more general than that? I would say it's more general than that. Okay. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your process? Uh, Sure. So we have... uh, as far as our communication goes with our clients, I mean, there's so many processes or the, or the, like our campaign building process. Yeah. What's your high level kind of business process? What are you, what are you selling to clients? 
Um, so what we're selling is hopefully results, you know, we're hopefully selling a uh, very clear return on investment. We're clear. We're, we're selling sometimes a, uh, sometimes it's an insight that they get in the midst of, uh, dollars in dollars out that they put a lot of value on. So, uh, the process of, of unearthing and communicating those things is really important and it, and it is collaborative with the clients. So of course we need to have this communication. Uh, every two weeks we have a client call. That's a standing call. This is a pretty common process across a lot of agencies and we could go into a different discussion about why every two weeks and what else is happening in between. But we find two weeks to be a good cycle because it allows us to do enough work where there's enough to report on that it's work worth everybody's time to, to get in sync. We have this call we prepare a document with a lot of reporting and all the items that we think are important. We start the call with the client. We ask them, you know, we send the, we send the document an hour before the call. Hopefully they've had time to review it. We ask them at the beginning of the call, is this what you want to talk about today? Is this everything we need to cover? Do you have anything you want to start with? They say yes or no. We do the call. It usually takes about 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. After the call, we take all of the call notes and the call document, we put it in the operating system and the call notes become our next steps. And so while these these details are, um, uh, in my opinion, a little bit dry, what it's really trying to do is assure that, they're, that we are in sync with the client, that when the next call comes around, the things that we've been working on are the things that we all agreed were the things that can have impact. And so that we have a continual conversation that is A to B to C and we're moving in a direction of getting that insight improving their ROI, bringing the cost per sale down, running a test and getting clear results that has a clear takeaway so we can figure out what test to run next. These are all examples of things of what, I guess you asked the question, what are you selling? These are all examples of things that we're selling. Um, and it's really, uh, they're getting them results so that they can grow in the way that they want to. Obviously, mobile has had a huge impact on the work that you guys do. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, how mobile has changed what you're what you're working on or how you do your work? Yeah. So first of all, we split all campaigns between desktop and mobile just as like a default point of view. Um, we run a lot of Facebook ads. We run a lot of Facebook ads to landing pages, and we use a lot of video in the fa in the Facebook newsfeed. So um, separating the placements, making sure that the landing pages. The landing pages we build are all mobile first. Of course, they're responsive to desktop and look good on desktop, but our first concern is getting it to work on mobile. And of course, there's times with certain clients' businesses where it's more relevant than others, but 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 most of the time now, it's about getting mobile to convert because Facebook has told us that, Facebook has told us this and we've seen it in the data that the CPM is cheaper on mobile. Um, and so if you can get mobile to work, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to grow and scale on Facebook. So, um, so the first thing is to separate the campaigns. The second thing is, of course, to understand how the creative works, and then you know, kind of over um, an overarching consideration is, what are the users doing uh, on these different devices? And then finally, you have to consider that this customer journey that a person is going through is is cross device. So uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about cross device. Okay, someone's on their desktop and they saw this ad. What what might they be doing on their mobile? What would be an appropriate experience to give them on mobile tomorrow or the next day if we're going to retarget them on a different device? So it's more of a holistic view of this person's in the middle of all these messages that we can hit them with at different times and on different devices. What's appropriate? And we can come up with common sense expectations of 
what would be appropriate to start. And the reality is almost always what we start with is not where we end because we have these different assets that we can line up in a funnel across different devices and we move them around based on data and intuition or, or I guess our intuition sometimes helps us decide what to test next and then the data decide, lets us know if it was an improvement or not. So mobile is central to that because so much of activity is now on mobile devices, you know, even um, in some in some cases greater than desktop. You were comparing, um, you know, campaigns desktop to mobile to mobile. Um, I'm curious, is do you have any generalizations around things that work better on mobile or things that work better on desktop and won't work on mobile? There used to be this simplified concept that people buy on desktop, but you can introduce yourself to them on mobile. So if someone's on public transportation or someone's eating their lunch or, or, or whatever, and you're and, and you show them something on mobile that like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Now I'm aware of this, but, but that the buying happens on desktop. I feel like that's a little bit oversimplified and, and isn't the case anymore. We see all sorts of activity happening on mobile, lots of purchasing happening on mobile. Um, one thing that we hold kind of strongly too is that most companies should not be building a native mobile app that they should be really focusing on their on their mobile web experience and that kind of aligns with a lot of the work that we do on mobile landing pages but the biggest thing is video in the newsfeed so uh, because mobile devices have gotten so fast and because of the ever expanding computing power that's out there and because of facebook looking to monetize both uh video and mobile together uh, there's so much so many places to win on video on mobile. And then um, we can put that at the top of the funnel, for instance, show them a an introduction to a solution to a problem that they might have or a company that might be, you know, a client of ours, show them a video at the top of the newsfeed. And then we can watch uh, how deep into the video they go, how much they watch. If they watch 75%, we can show them a, maybe a call to action ad on desktop or on, or on a different device in order to bring them further down the process of exploring our client's solution. When you say to start with uh, video on the newsfeed, is that paid video or is that? Yeah, yeah. Video? We're talking about talking about paid video in the newsfeed. Organic video is also good, and you can get you can kind of break through the organic or the lack of organic reach by using things like Facebook Live. But we're talking about paid video here. Perfect. We need to take another break, but when we come back, we'll co cover a couple news stories. We have uh, an article from MatchNote itself called Market Segmentation Using Facebook Insights, as well as an article from AdAge, some stats that put the whole duopoly of Google and Facebook in perspective. Don't go away. FjorgeCast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. 
Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and I'm here with Chris Madden of MatchNode. Our first story today is from MatchNode's blog. It's about using Facebook insights and market segmentation to more effectively target your market. Uh, The article outlines four ways to segment a market, demographically, geographically, physiographically, and by benefits, or um, as they say, value. Um, once you know how to segment your market, I'm curious, Chris, how effective have you found using segmenting, um, in B2C marketing? I mean, I, I, I find it to be pretty much fundamental, uh, for all the people that are on Facebook and all the different messages that a company might be able to put out. Uh, it's really important to understand who your audience is, or you may have multiple audiences that you create multiple segments that you try to message and, and then how you're going to message them and why, and what are their key attributes and what are their key trigger points. So those four ways that you mentioned, a classic marketing 101 market segmentation concepts, uh, the beauty of it or the spin that we took on it in this article and that we take on it in our business is that uh, there's so many ways to test and use these different levers. Um, you can get a lot of insights from Facebook insights, but there's uh, just in the in the ads manager or in the power editor, there's so much you can do. So uh, we tend to start with a combination of uh, kind of the psycho psychographic interspace stuff. Uh, people who are interested in the the most obvious thing, you know, if you have a solar panel client, you, one of the first things to try, of course, is people who are interested in solar or something like that. So there's there's common sense places to start. We combine that with our clients' data. So you actually take their client list or their customer list. You can upload it to Facebook in a secure way, create a lookalike audience off of that, and we kind of start overlaying things. So we'll overlay the lookalike audience with uh, people who are interested in solar. And then you start a little bit or a lot of testing because there's a lot of different ways to target. Um, the thing that, and I got to this a little bit when we talked about video marketing and creating audiences off of people who've watched your video, the thing that gets very powerful in all of this and kind of at the bottom of that post that you mentioned, there is some discussion around um, using behavior targeting people who've taken certain actions. You can now target people who watch 75% of your video. You can target people who are the top 25% most active people on your website that haven't converted. There's all these combinations you can do. So it's a combination of these classic marketing 101 targeting tactics, geography, gender, uh, psychographics, et cetera. And then we overlay behavior on top of that. And Facebook keeps expanding the ways in which we can target people behaviorally. Are you seeing uh, Facebook's effect- effectiveness with B2B 
uh, increasing? Well, so we don't do B2B. Uh, we don't have B2B clients. We're a B2C agency. Now, we as an agency, in order to get more business, have to do B2B marketing, of course. And so um, Facebook was not a wonderful place for us We do as far as doing B2B marketing for clients. I think that's changing because of all the new ways you can target people um, based on people who are already taking actions on my website, people who saw a certain blog article that I have and I want to show them a different one because I know they read that whole um, first blog post. So I think it has gotten better from B2B, but we don't have as much intel about that as we do on B2C. Absolutely. Our second story today is from AdAge, um, titled Some Stats That Put the Whole Duopoly of Google and Facebook into Perspective. Uh, the article calls out that uh, between the two, they will control 60% of mobile marketing. Are you seeing that Facebook's growth overall is going to continue to continue to increase over time? Their market share is going to continue to increase over time? It's it's continued to be profitable for us and for our clients. And as, as time has passed, call it five or seven years, we've been extremely active in Facebook ads. It's certainly changed a lot. And I'd say the low-hanging fruit is not quite there as much as it was, but the, they counterbalance that with giving us more tools that we can get more precise on, as we've been discussing in this in this episode. So uh, whether or not their market share is going to continue to increase, I can't say. I think for Facebook and Google, and for Facebook, until somebody else gives you a better way to connect with your friends and family and share pictures and all those things that people do on Facebook, until someone comes up with a better way to do that, Facebook's going to continue to have huge market share. The ad operation is just working from our point of view as mostly direct response B2C marketers. Would you say that... Um Having one or two platforms has been beneficial to your agency that you can just focus on one or two? Instead of having a dozen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it helps because, again, from the point of view of the, of the consumer, when somebody's searching for something on Google, whether it's a mobile device or desktop, there's a lot of intent there, potentially, that they're, they're looking for the solution. They had a problem in their life or they have a need in their life. They have a demand in their life and the demand is there. And by the time they're doing a Google search for it, you know that they're just looking to fulfill that demand. So that's a powerful place to be depending on the type of business you are. It's almost like just taking orders. They already are interested. Just like make it easy for them to buy, remove friction, show them that you're the the correct answer to their to their search query. So that's super powerful. Facebook can do a little bit of demand generation as well. There's, they're not people necessarily searching for solar panels, but we think they might be interested in solar panels, and so we can put an ad in front of them for them. So uh, that binary or, or being able to think of those of most of the market that we would start with or most of the platforms, most of the market can be reached in those two platforms. Those are two places to start for almost any one of our clients. So it makes it easy, uh, I guess, that there's not dozens of them. Now that said, there's times where we get to what we feel is like a maximum volume on those two platforms and you can go looking other places, but but it, it, there's not much out there. Right. So it could be kind of, it does create an upper limit to what you can do, I guess is what you're saying. It can, yeah, there's pros and cons. Got it. That's it for today on Fjordcast. You can view Chris's Chris's company, Matchnode, at matchnode.com or find them on Twitter at, at Matchnode. Thanks for being on the show today, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. We enjoyed it. Absolutely. And thanks to our, our audience for listening to the Fjordcast. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.
The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 